Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. Bonjour, bonjour. Start a bit of French. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. How are they? How are you? <laughs> I know how you are, it's but funny I'm going to ask. Anyway, just because we're here. I was going to say. <laughs> it's like we pretend that we haven't just spoke for about 25 minutes before this. Yeah. It's like we feel like we need to introduce the podcast. How, how like, are you? you? Do you know, know, every single person that ever does a podcast, unless it's probably on their own, like if there's a guest involved, they will, they will speak beforehand yeah. for about, like, I don't know, like half an hour, an hour or something. Um, and then they... It, I, I find it exactly the same that every podcast I listen to, they always intro it in like they've not spoken to each other. It's like brand new, fresh. It's like, I don't know why people do that. Well, I think it's because you don't know what to say at first. Like, so like, I'm like, I don't really know what to say. How to start. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, well, I don't really know what to say here because I'm like, all right, like here's today's oh, episode no. and it gets a little bit like awkward. So that's why I just kind of, oh, you've hung. It's okay. The audio can be matched up. So what I'll do is if you shut up and I'll keep talking until you come back with good internet and then we'll continue our yeah. conversation and they can just be matched up perfectly. I can I can hear you. It just keeps breaking. So we'll, we'll roll with it. Cool. So welcome back, team. I know it's been a game we missed last week. Uh, I was meant to record a uh, solo one, but as, as Ryan's really good brain works, I forgot to. So we're back. Anyway, and today what we want to talk about um, in regards to the topic is why calories in versus calories out and just like just eat less and move more is shite advice basically and as much as you'll hear me be like it's just a calorie deficit it is for the fundamentals of fat loss but today we're going to talk about why it's not just that in regards to like it's not as easy just to eat less and it's not as easy just to move more because there are a lot of influential factors i suppose for want of a better word right influential factors in regards to how you know, you can be impacted by eating less. What things are going to cause con- issues by trying to eat less? What issues can come from just trying to eat more, right? And actually, there needs to be a lot more considerations in regards to like how you eat less, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just the case of like, yeah, eat less or yeah, eat 500 calories less per day, which is 3,500 calories less per week and you'll lose a pound. It's like, if only it was that easy, we'd all be shredded, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the core... the. Like the science is there, the maths is there, um, but like Ryan said, so it, because when when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, I literally did a video the other day, basically saying about you know like calories are the most important thing, blah blah, blah. and um, it's not it's not that that doesn't apply, like it does, yeah, hundred percent. However, like, and this is where it's going to be so individualistic for each person. So we were just talking off air. <laughs> I was like, I was like, if you say off air, you sound well professional. Keep saying it, yeah um so we were talking off air and we were saying ryan was mentioning that actually if he he notices if he goes like a prolonged period without eating he's far more likely to probably over consume on calories because and i'm sure he'll go into this in a second whereas like for me i'm i'm the opposite i actually i feel like i can manage my better my calories better if i do 
like an intermittent fast as such. But like, there's by the way, there's nothing magical about intermittent fasting. Um, but what I am, what I am saying is like for me. I feel like it's easier for me to adhere to calories by doing a bigger fast because I like bigger meals and I feel like I can have bigger meals, whereas Ryan likes smaller meals. And it's like, even if we had the same deficit and we did exactly the same amount of energy expenditure, if I chose Ryan's path or Ryan chose my path, our results would be like incredibly different. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is kind of why, like, it is. You do have to eat less calories and moving more can help increase the deficit so that you can eat more, right? Simple. But what we're here to talk about today is, is yeah, the, the individual differences and the things that actually influence it. Now, one thing I want to precursor this, and I didn't say this before we kind of jumped on, but a lot of the time, I find that when we say something, people take it as gospel and use it as identity. Ah, that must be me. That's why I can't lose weight. Now, one thing I would tell you is never, this is like, if you've got, if you're going through the menopause, right? If you're perimenopause, postmenopause, going through it, all that stuff, you've got PCOS, hypothyroidism, all these different things. You can still lose weight because nothing on this earth stops you from losing weight. Even if you experience high levels of hunger because some of the genetical things that we talk about today, it still doesn't directly stop you losing weight. And one of the things that I literally wish I could teach every single woman on, on this planet, and probably men as well, is the power of the identity and the story that you tell yourself. Because so many things, so many, I reckon one of the, one of the biggest, I'd argue top 10 reasons of why women can't lose weight and struggle is because the identity and the story that they tell themselves. And what I'm telling you here is don't say, oh, I've got PCOS, I can't lose weight. Because ultimately, we take on that identity. And that's why it's so tough for you to lose weight. Because you have this internal belief that I've got PCOS, so it's harder for me. Or you'll be like, oh my God, so I must be someone that responds differently to exercise. Or I must be someone that has this hunger hormone that is higher than someone else's. That's why I can't lose weight. Because why we teach you that is ultimately to teach you that, okay, what we, we the reason as to why we say this is that then you can use it and try and work around it not use it as a stopping block as to be like, oh, this is why I can't lose weight anyway. Because too often what I see is women take it on board in regards to like, well, that's why I can't lose weight. And it then becomes an identity and it then becomes a, almost like a reasoning, right? It's like, well, I can't lose weight because it's like, obviously like what Ryan Hayden said, like I've obviously got this hunger hormone that's just a lot higher and I don't get satiated. So that's why. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter if you've got that. It doesn't matter if you've got PCOS. There's always ways around things. We tell you this so that you can start to look in the right areas. What I don't want you to do is to take this advice and stop looking because you assume that this is the answer as to why you can't lose weight and you just sit back and, and take that as like, oh, that's me. Well, that's why I can't lose weight, right? Does that make sense, Hayden? Yeah, it's like, it's really weird how you, you said that. I literally, while I was waiting for Sophie to drag herself um, out the door this morning, I went on Instagram and I saw this... Um, this video and it was basically this guy he was he was talking about the same concept right where he was like everyone uses like an excuse so it's like if they have a medical condition that's an excuse or if they aren't in the job they like that's an excuse there's always an excuse for why they aren't doing what they're doing mm. and there was this guy they were basically showing and he had no legs and he had one arm and he has a thick six-pack like incredible shape, like really, like a, a thick six pack. Yeah, and they're basically being like, if anyone on this earth shouldn't have a six pack, like it should be this guy. Yeah, because he has no legs, like he has one arm, like he is. Think about how much has gone against him. But it's like that's the perfect example, right? Of you were dealt that card, 
but it still doesn't mean that you can't yes. do anything with yeah. that card. That's it. I think the thing is, is that what we do is we're dealt the cards and we ultimately just fold straight away. And this is what we're telling you. We're telling you that, like, look, you might have, like, because at the moment, obviously, you're just trying to play your card, right? But you're not winning. And ultimately, you're like, I just can't win at this, right? And now what we're doing is telling you, look, it's because your hand might be not as good as perhaps the person to your right's hand. What a lot of women do is they're like, cool, well, I'm going to fold them. And it's like, no, 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 not at all. You've just got to play the game differently and in your favor, and you can still win. This is what we're saying about. This is kind of how I'm trying to hit it. It's like, I'm telling you this to allow you to then have the education, the knowledge to be able to, okay, cool, this might be me. So I need to probably focus on this more. I need to probably place my focus on this. I need to probably be aware of that I'm doing this because this might not be helping my weight loss goals because of this. So there's kind of loads of different directions that we could go with this. I'm not really too (laughs) sure as to where to start without it just flying off in a tangent. Now, I'll start as to why I wanted to talk about this, I suppose. We'll start there. Like Hayden said, don't get too sciencey. So we'll keep it, we'll keep it, we'll keep it surface level. I think you, I think you can, um, you can use a fantasy. So Ryan's got some fancy words behind this. Um, <laughs> I thought you didn't mean to sound like I'm just like some using fancy words. I've learned them. Like, Ryan learned any fancy word he wants to show that to fans. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I would just give like context behind yeah. it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So in short, basically, I was doing a little bit of reading on binge eating. And one of the things that was, prevalent obviously and you know we, I, we've kind of gone through this before is that quite often through prolonged periods of calorie restriction so when you restrict your food or long periods of fasting there's certain hormones that can get upregulated, which means they increase your hunger but increase your want for carbohydrates now one thing that they found is that this hormone can basically be different in different people so some people and especially if you if you suffer with binge eating, for example, and you overconsume, it's quite common this hormone is higher, right? Now, one thing also is in regards to this, and this is what got the train of thought, and I was like, isn't this interesting? The common traits that you see, like people not binge eating disorder, we're just talking about binge eating when you just overconsume in a period, right? It's not the disorder, that's something completely medical and different. But we're talking about binge eating. So with regards to that, what the difference was, obviously those that struggle with it, it's because of they had higher levels of this, it's called neuropeptide Y, MPY, right? But they had high levels of this MPY, which made them obviously have higher cravings for carbohydrates. Now we know that also there are certain genetical differences in regards to that, but also people can then struggle with satiety. You know, PCOS women, they often can struggle with satiety because they have lower levels of GLP-1, which is a, a satiety, it's a satiety hormone, isn't it? I am right in saying that. Let me just double check before I'm just saying this. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't want to say this. Um, or I'm, I'm, I'm like C-K. double K. Oh, maybe it's CYK. Maybe we're talking about or CKY. CYK. Hold on, hold on, team. We're live researching on this because I don't want to say this wrong. And CCK. CCK. That's the that's the one. Um, there's lots of things in what we do. And the hormones are called all sorts of ones. Um, anyway, yeah. But basically, there's different levels of in, in individuals in regards to certain hormones that can basically increase your satiety, so increase your level of fullness, but also increase your level of hunger. Now, individual differences between people can have more hunger and more satiety. So literally, some you can have two people, and someone can eat a meal, and they can be hungry three hours later. 
someone can eat a meal and they can be hungry an hour later. Now, how much difficult is that going to be to manage your calorie intake if you're someone that gets hungry an hour after eating compared to someone that gets hungry for three hours after eating? And this then kind of led my train of thought to this, this podcast here today, which is where I'm like, there are so many differences between individuals as to why it's harder just to eat less and move more. And that's what I talk about today. So the first thing is, is to understand this. No one's hunger and appetite regulation is the same. Me and Hayden could eat the same meal. I could be hungry an hour and a half later. Hayden could be hungry three hours later. I could maybe go four hours. Of, no, Hayden can go like five hours of eating and it will happily just then build a meal and create it. If I go five hours of eating, I get to the point where I'm ravenous this hormone for me, I am someone that it will spike up quite highly. And I then struggle with impulse control. We we're talking about this before the podcast. I then struggle, like I will then make, make my healthy nutritional calorie controlled meal. But I can tell you now that I will have to eat something now and then because I'm like a ravenous beast whilst I'm making it right. Whereas Hayden could probably sit with his hunger because it's not that bad and just make it. Whereas I'm someone that like, and, it, and I was talking about this before we kind of tuned in. I am someone that struggles with that. Like that, that, that hormone in regards to like drive for carbs. I know, know it. I always say this. If I go too long without eating, I really struggle with impulse control and not just raid, raiding the cupboards whilst I'm making something. And I have to make, be very conscious that like I grab stuff on the go quite often because I'm like, if I go too long without eating, I get really ravenous. And then ultimately my, my impulse control, my ability to stick in my calories becomes a lot harder. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds like me, these are where the individual difference is. This is why I have to eat like 200, 220 grams of protein. I don't necessarily need that much, but I know that if I eat the much protein as possible and I have big salads, especially when I'm dieting, it helps me manage my hunger a lot better. And this is what we're saying. Even if you are someone that's like, yeah, I get hungry all the time. Well, one thing quite a lot of men find as soon as you change the whole foods, high foods and protein, fiber, volume, and those foods are going to fill you up, you're going to struggle less. But ultimately, it's even more important for women that have PCOS. That's going to be even more important as well. I was making sure these meals are satiating so you don't then get this struggle. So not only are there genetical individual differences in regards to food, there's also things like your, so not only, you know, your hunger and your satiety levels and your hormones, they're different between individuals, right? So this is where we'll start with that first point is that your hunger levels and your satiety levels, they can be different between each individual. So for some people, they can struggle where they're always hungry. Some people can go, you know, Hayden, sometimes does 24 hour fast. I couldn't do that. I know that that would literally for me, I know that that would lead me to have a massive like binge as soon as I allow myself to eat because I know what I'm like. I know I have low self low impulse control if I go too long without eating. So that's the difference right there. Now, we also spoke a bit about environment, how your environment can also impact you. So I'll kind of pass it to Hayden to talk a bit about like the environmental impact on that as well. Yeah. I mean, do you want to, what, like relate, relating to hunger or anything? Yeah. Well, just, just like how your environment, you know, what we were talking about in regards to, uh, you know, from your uh, you, you know, work from home, work from the office, whether you're like a parent or stuff like that, or even hunger in regards to like you know your setup of your kitchen all these different things that can influence it yeah for sure i mean this is again where it's like it's very very individualistic and while yes you know eat less move more has merit from a baseline uh, level it's like you get two people at the same but their environments are very very different you know it's going to be much much harder right if you <laughs> i always remember when i I think it was like my first job when I was like 15, 15 or 16. I can't remember what it was, but I was a uh, KP at a pub, the kitchen porter. And 
I didn't know what KP was. I was like, Kevin Peterson, isn't that a cricketer? <laughs> a, a kitchen porter. And essentially what my job was, was the, I was just basically washing up. I was literally just washing up plates or I was stacking them into a uh, a huge, have you ever seen them? Like industrial size. Um, yeah, like, um, the ones that like lift up and you pull the lever down and it like locks all the stuff in. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'd, I'd like load it into that. But I was working directly next to the chef. And what the chef used to do is he had a, a middle table. And in the middle table, it was either like leftovers or food, or it was like some a food that had been sent back. And he just used to leave it in there. And he, he said to me, he was like, anything that goes on this table, like you can pick out, you can eat throughout your shift, like absolutely fine. And it was no surprise why like three or four weeks into that job, like I was massively like gaining weight. But the environment of like the smell of me constantly being there, like that's the only thing that had changed, right? The only thing that had changed, like my environment had changed. I've been put in a position where I was much more tempted by the foods and the smell of foods and stuff like that, which was making it hard to stick to my deficit. Um, so your environment will have an impact on exactly like how, like your ability to be able to control your calories as much. So if you, you this is one of the things that we saw a lot from lockdown, didn't we, Warren? When we... Um, we had that transition to where like lockdown first hit and probably we must have done, I don't know, but several coaching calls on managing your nutrition. Now you're working at home because everyone had always had the situation of being in the office where everyone bought their own food, right? You, you, there was, unless you were in an office where there's like cakes given around and stuff, people actually found it relatively easy because they detached themselves away from the house and they were in an environment where they couldn't go and just pick up food because it was either other people's food or anything like that. Whereas now they've been put in a position where actually um, the environment was like, they were just in their kitchen. There was a lot of like empty gaps, right? It was easy for them to just walk in um, to the kitchen, grab a food and go like making coffees more often, all of these things. And what we really, really noticed is actually we were having some clients that were just 24 seven crushing it, like always crushing it with their plan. COVID hit lockdown. Well, their calories were exactly the same. Their energy expenditure hadn't um, changed that much because they could still go out and walk like once a day. I don't know if in the UK we had that. Um, we could only go out once, but they were still doing the same amount of steps. Their calories were exactly the same. But all of a sudden, they were struggling massively. Their adherence to their calories was so much harder. So your your environment and what you do has an impact to your ability to actually be able to stick to the plan. So this is why, like we always say of our one to one coaching pro, um, clients, it's like we're going to be building you like your startup nutritional protocol, and it's going to adapt and mold as time goes on. Because as your stress increases, as your environments change, all of these things, you need to be having a coach there to be able to help you manage through these times. Because what most people do is, don't they? Is right, we had we heard this an awful lot across like the last two months. Is I'm gonna st- I'm gonna join when the kids go back to school. I'm gonna do it when this week. They're waiting for like this perfect time. But if you can learn to navigate the tough times, then it becomes so much easier. So understanding that actually your environment is going to have like a massive, massive impact on your ability to stick to calories. Or let's say you get a new job, or let's say something changes in your life. Well. Yes, calories in, calories out, the principle is still there, but something else is now uh, creating a factor to make that harder for you to stick to that. So this is um, this is something that's definitely like worth noting and like worth thinking about. 
And the other thing as well that I did want to touch up on about, you know, calories in versus calories out is actually like, uh, and you started to, you alluded to it slightly a second ago, but actually the types of food that you eat as well, like it's such hugely, I've seen there's the massive, uh, I don't want to say massive trend right now because it's been around for ages, but I think with the growing online trainers on social media and people basically hammering home the story of you can eat whatever you want and lose weight. And again, yes, there is merit to that. In actual fact, you know, there's probably some people that that's really unuseful advice for them. Linking into what Ryan said right at the beginning with different hunger responses, but yes, you can lose weight just eating like, let's, let's say crisps. Yes, you could lose weight eating crisps. But at the same time, you are going to be far more successful with your diet by eating more nutrient-dense foods like whole grains, fresh meat and vegetables, like fruit, like all of these things, because they're going to provide you so much more satiation. So let's say you have a 100-calorie chocolate brownie and you have a 100-calorie, um, let's say, chicken. If like The calories are matched right. They're exactly the same. But actually... With that food and those two foods in particular, they're going to give you very, very different responses. You are going to eat the chocolate brownie so much quicker, and it's going to be highly palatable, easy to overconsume, and there's going to be very little satiation with it. With the chicken breast, the chances are it's going to take you longer to eat the digestion process of it as well. You're actually going to um, you're going to feel more satiated with eating the chicken. Chances are again, you're, once you're more satiated, you're less likely to want to have higher hunger cues start the rest of the day. So even though on the surface level, it was like both were 100 calories, and yes, you could bo- lose weight with eating both of them, they actually, the foods that you're eating is giving you a very, very, very different response. So yes, even though we are advocates of, you know, flexible dieting, we are advocates of people still being allowed to enjoy their favorite foods, I can't stress enough how you shouldn't actually take advantage of that and now think, okay, well, Hayden Ryan have said that I can eat anything I want and still lose weight, then I'm going to be doing this. Funny enough, it was actually something that I just had in a check-in today with one of my clients and she's seeing success, but she's struggling. Um, she's struggling more when it gets into like the summer months. And I was saying to her, like, it's great that you've got this flexibility on your plan, but I'm looking, so with our fancy new app, we can, it's like a MyFitnessPal inside of it. So I can see inside of the app the type of foods they're eating. And I was basically going through the whole coach call and saying that looking, look at the quality of nutrition that you're having. You've probably actually swayed it more towards like 40% nutrient-dense foods, 60% less nutrient-dense foods. And no wonder your hunger is so much higher. No wonder you're struggling through through this phase is because your satiation is going to be so, so much lower. So we want to actually start encouraging, even when you've got like busy times, even when you're, it's in the summer, is like pick your battles with it as well. Like it's like, okay, if you know that you're going to be going out in the evening, make sure your breakfast and your lunch is so incredibly nutrient dense, like so incredibly nutrient dense. If you know you're going in the evening, you're going to be having like a burger or whatever it might be. Well, don't then all of a sudden maybe just have like a bacon sandwich for lunch. And this is where it's about being smart when it comes to dieting. Because yes, technically, you could still have your breakfast, that bacon sandwich, and then that burger when you go out and still lose weight. But 
isn't it going to be so much better for you to have a really nutrient-dense breakfast than a really nutrient-dense lunch like a chicken salad or something that's going to tie you over all the way to that evening meal for you to then have whatever you want? And again, it's going to help you out. It's the same principle, right? Is if you you can have burger and chips, but would it potentially be a better substitute for you to have burger with a side of salad? Is that going to provide you with more satiation and you less likely to then have dessert? And I'm not telling you you should go and do these things, but when you're dieting, when you've got a goal, sometimes there's got to be a bit of tough love there to say that actually, do you know what? Like, You can't always have what you want and it's going to be counterintuitive to your goal. Um, and even though, yes, calories in versus calorie out is the principle, uh, you, you, you need to be smarter. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is just like touching the surface, you know, environment. It's like, if you're not only obviously what Hayden said, it's like, depending on where you work, depending on the hours that you work, that's going to impact your calories and calories out. You work night shifts. I guarantee your hunger regulation, your appetite regulation is going to be completely thrown. Why? Because of your sleep. So if you're a shift worker, listen to this, you're going to have a harder time dieting because your hunger isn't going to be as consistent. Also, your sleep's going to be not as great, which we know is shown signals um, high levels of um, ghrelin the next day. So it's like you're now fighting those sorts of things as well. You're also going to fight energy struggles because you're not going to get as much sunlight. You're probably going to be deficient in vitamin D. Maybe you're a mum. If you're a mum, well, we know that you're going to be faced with different things such as lack of sleep, which is going to cause issues. Yeah, no worries. Um, lack of sleep, which is going to cause issues. Not only is the lack of sleep going to cause issues with your hunger, but you've also got kids. So now when you've got kids, you've now got to fight the urges and the impulse control when you're cooking them food. That's typically when a lot of mums typically snack, right? One thing that I would suggest, one of my clients did it, is they would prepare a cooking veggie platter. Now, hear me out on this one, right? This is a little tool for you mums that are listening. A veggie platter is basically, she would cut up like carrots, peppers, have some tomatoes, um, some cucumber, and just put it on a plate. So she would, if she was feeling snacky, she would snack through the veggies. The veggies that are probably 30, 40 calories, instead of snacking on the crisp, maybe a bit of the food that she's making for the kids. This allowed her to still do what she was doing. And this is where sometimes it goes with not trying to eradicate the habit. Actually, sometimes it's like the habit isn't an issue. It's what the habit is having in it. That habit is what the habit contains. So having a, a veggie platter has been a golden savior for her. She now just snacks on veggies, gets in micronutrients. It gives her you know, the habit of picking at stuff while she's eat while she's cooking her kids' food as well. So even being an environment of when your kids, when you're working night shifts, when obviously you're cooking for the kids, you've got bad sleep, you've got bad sleep, lack of sunlight, all of these things are going to make your calories in, but also your calories out a lot more difficult, right? Um, because, you know, if you've got kids, you've probably got less time for yourself to actually go out and get your steps in, right? Yes, there's still going to be time, but it's going to be, it's going to require a lot more dedication for you because you're going to have to do it first before the kids get up, or you're going to have to do it after the kids go to bed, right? When you're also looking at shift workers, well, when you're in the day, you're going to be sleeping for most of the day. And then obviously, depending on the time and how much time you have, you're going to have to go out and get it before you go to work. So it's then trying to manage that, manage your hunger and your cravings and things like that for the environment as well. Now, also, you've got to think about like that, just the actual differences in individuals, right? A lot of people have more stress in their life than others, right? If you are a mum, that's going to have high levels of stress. You might be a CEO that's going to have high levels of stress, you know, compared to someone that like, you know, like you take me and my brother, for example. My brother works at a gym, works gym shifts, has a handful of PC clients, and he is a very chilled, laid back. Gets up, 
goes to work, does his thing, comes home, plays a bit of Xbox, has dinner, goes gym, comes, goes home, go to bed, right? Very, very, very the same thing most days, right? But he is content in his life and he has no stress whatsoever. So the dieting for him would be a breeze because he just eats smaller portions of what he does now. Probably wouldn't phase him. I've got a high stress job. I've got, I don't get good, good quality sleep because obviously I've got a, I've got a young daughter. I have a busy, busy work schedule. So got to get up, got to, got loads of work. You know, myself and Hayden, we work till about seven, eight o'clock at night. Again, then, so sleep's impacted. I've got high levels of stress. Well, stress, we know, causes water retention. It causes high levels of craving. We need to have appropriate stress management tools in place. So if you, depending on how much stress you have in your life, can impact you. If you don't have the relevant stress management tools in place, you are more likely to use food as a stress management tool. So someone that's very has a very chilled life, you know, kind of maybe works a nine till five that they really, really enjoy. It's not a stressful job. They go home, don't have any responsibilities, you know, maybe just themselves, maybe just their partner. They don't have kids. They don't have these other things that someone else might have, right? And this is where you've got to then take that. Also, you've got to take into consideration not only the stress factor of that, but even age, right? So even age, that can impact it, right? When we're older, we typically slow down. We're not as active, right? So someone that's trying to lose weight at 30 is be very different than someone trying to lose weight at 50. Just be general activity in your general age. When you're at 50, you're probably going to be at home a lot more. I'd argue you're not as sociable. You probably aren't going to get as many steps depending on how active you are. And then again, you can then look at, um, in regards to the difficulties. So we actually have something called a response effect, as it were, isn't it, Hayden? where some women can do more exercise and they get a massive increase in hunger. I know if I do a lot of cardio, my hunger shoots through the roof. So I have to be very aware of how much I do. I'm better off doing little bits. Like I do, like when I was dieting from, I'm better off doing 20 minutes every day rather than doing like three 40 minute sessions because otherwise that shoots my hunger through the roof. Whereas I can manage small ones. Women are very similar in that. Some women, we've seen them, we hate them. Like sometimes have been like, okay, cool, let's, can we push our steps by an extra 2000? Maybe you do 10 minute walking on the treadmill before your workout. Maybe you just actually push and do an extra 15 minute um, walk a day just to help get your steps up, right? Great. And what we've actually seen is I've seen that actually then they're, by increasing their steps, their hunger has started to be reportedly um, go up slowly but surely. And it's like, oh, okay. So you can actually have a opposite response. You know, you do more exercise, your hunger shoot through the roof, and you end up eating more calories. And therefore, then you're going to, one, struggle if you're just trying to use willpower and discipline to not do it. But two, your calories are going to up and it's going to undo any additional calories that you were burning through moving more. Does that make sense? I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. There's basically, there's just, there's, I think, I think the biggest thing is that is like, there's just so many people out there that you'll see where they'll say it's like, just, you know, eat less, move more. Like that's the core fundamentals, you know, get, understand what your deficit is and then eat what you want in it. But as you can see through everything we explained, yeah. it really isn't that simple. And if you're someone that is probably sitting here and it's like, uh, I know, like, I know what to do, but I just can't seem to see results. The problem is there's, there's going to be one of those things that we've just spoken about that you are not paying attention in, in, yeah. into your life. And it's the thing that's holding you back from seeing yeah. success. I was just saying, because there is no one on this earth that can't lose body fat. Like yeah. Every single person on this earth can lose body fat, no matter what card you've been dealt. Yeah. You just need to understand how to and, adapt. And, and, the kind of, and kind of, without completely bitching this, I appreciate it, we've been out for like half hour. So, you know, kind of like come to wraps here, but like the, the underlying thing is that there's so many things that influ influence why we eat and what we eat. 
There's so many things that influence how much movement we personally get, the impact that movement has, the availability of time, things like that. That's why there's no one size fits all. And actually, you know, for the most part, things that are going to help is always making sure that you, one, eat regularly. I think for most people, having regular meals throughout the day is going to probably be best that are high in protein, fiber, good voluminous food with salads and veggies that are going to keep you satiated, right? Because that's going to help everyone in regards to their hunger levels. With regards to like, I'd always say for most people, it's going to be collecting data. You know, some people just having a really big deficit isn't going to suit you very well. You're better off going slow because it's going to mean you have better time dieting. It's going to be more enjoyable um, and more easier for you to adhere to. And the movement is something that you want to make manageable but that just gets you moving a little bit more than normal, right? You don't need to jump from five to 12 because also you don't know how that's going to impact you. It wants to be as easy as possible. So making sure protein and fiber in these things, making sure your deficit is relative to you. You know, some people can go to massive deficit. Some people need to be a lot smaller. I would always think in every scenario is to stop and think, right, where's my struggles right now? And why do I think that's happening? If you're like, okay, McCall, my struggle is that I snack lows in the afternoon. Well, look at your lunch. What's that filled up with? Okay. Maybe you're someone that needs to have a snack. Maybe that's what you just need to organize, right? A snack in the afternoon. That then helps see you through. Maybe your environment's not set up. Maybe, okay, look, like I can't get much sleep because I've got a kid, but the sleep that I do get, how can I maximize the efficiency of that sleep, right? Okay, I can't get much movement, but how could I maybe get a little bit more movement? Where's somewhere that I'm actually maybe missing a little beat here that I could actually help? Or maybe do I just need to make realize that I can't move much more than I do because of just my life? So I have to just accept that my fat, fat loss rate is my rate of fat loss is going to be slower because ultimately I can't just keep hacking up my calories, right? And that might be that's okay. You know, some people are like, oh, that's unfair. It's not because it's not something you can't get to your goal. It's just that if you don't have room for like some of my clients, like don't have room to move anymore. They're like, I don't like it's just going to cause more stress. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's no problem. Unless we make your deficit bigger, which then we've seen massive spikes in hunger. I'm like, we just have to take a much more slower approach. We have to go for losing, you know, like um, one of my clients, I'm thinking now, we've lost about 0.2 to 0.3 of a pound. That's it each week. But it's been consistent every single week when you look through. Now, yes, it's going to take a lot longer. Yes, they probably would have only wanted to take a third of the time. But she can't do any more movement because she's literally up at four, out of work, gets back at half seven, does everything, and she's in bed by nine again. There is, There is no physical, like, room for this this individual and we tried lowering the calories and it just doesn't fit well with her mentally like sometimes she she, she gets a little overwhelmed knowing like and this is it as well right not seeing the calories go down she instantly almost just like mentally is like i'm gonna be hungry yeah yeah, yeah yeah so we've had to just take a smaller deficit approach and this is where some of you would be like well that's crazy right you gotta be losing at least one two pounds it's not suitable for everyone this, this slow pace is perfect for her because she knows that if she can sit with this and she can manage it, she's not stressed, she will get to her goal. It's just time. All she's got to do is just wait for the time to pass and she's going to get there. And this is why it's so important for you to think about yourself, think about your environment, think about anything you notice, you know, trends with yourself your and tracking data, you know, track things, not only like your measurements, your photos and your, your weight to see that data, track your energy, your sleep, your hunger right? Track your digestion, track your mood, see how you feel throughout the day. And if you could notice any trends and then have a think about what could be causing this and how could you change it? Too many people don't think they just jump into a diet and they're like, yeah, this is going to help me lose weight. I've just got to stick to it. And you're like, well, yeah, if you just jump into it, but I guarantee if there's errors in what you're doing, or it could be made better, 
you need to find them because you could only embrace the suck and use willpower and discipline for so long before eventually it's just going to tap you out because you're like, geez, this is a lot of energy and effort every day that I'm going through. And you won't even get to your goal. Whereas actually, if you take the moment to like collect some data, have a thing about you as an individual and outline that, that's when you'll be successful because you'll be able to slowly create the best diet or the best program and best weight loss journey for you, given your scenario, you know, your genetics, your personality, your your environment, etc. You know, I didn't even touch on that just before we wrap up. Is like even trauma. Some people use food as an emotional crutch and trauma. One of the things I see a lot of coaches do is they're like, yeah, cool. So what we're going to do is like, we need to quit your evening cravings, need to cut out all food. And I'm like, actually, that's kind of not conducive to someone's goals if they're using it as emotional crutch. Because if you take away food, which is their emotional management tool, well, they're going to have to find that elsewhere. They're either going to have a really bloody hard time emotionally because they've now got no outlet or they're going to find that outlet somewhere else, right? A lot of people that stop drinking alcohol because that's their outlet suddenly become obese because they turn to food a lot of people that cut out food suddenly turn to smoking a lot of people that stop smoking suddenly turn to food it's because food alcohol and drink is something that we use as emotional management tools so this is why it's really important to even understand yourself from an emotional level do you use it as a tool well you can't just cut it out you have to learn how to manage it create food neutrality in regards to like there is no good or bad foods and understand you as a person. That's the biggest thing that I could say to take away from this is understand you, collect data, and actually think about you as an individual and what are your traits and what can you do to better manage everything. Mm. Boom. TED talk. Mic uh, drop. Yeah, cool. Love that. We'll wrap it up there anyway. My, Unless you've got anything to add. No, no, that was good. I let, There was a, a brief spell where you kept doing, like, like just jumping because my internet kept saying it was unstable. And you, you, you said it made me laugh. You said... Um, you just need to look at, and it paused, and then it's you said like a word, but all that came out of that word was mum. So it's like you just need to look at mum, <laughs> and then <laughs> it like moved. Look at mum. And I was and like, this is it as well, right? Some people it can be like a, an emotional thing. Some people, and a lot of women that I speak to, it's parental, right? Your mum's always been on a diet. Your dad's. That's where we've created this bad relationship with food. So really, relationship with food is somewhere you need to start, not just hacking at your calories. There's so much that comes into like this that, that's more than just like eat a bit less, move more. Anyway, before we butcher it, we're going to end it there. So guys, if you are struggling on your weight loss journey and you are finding it hard to stick to anything, myself and Hayden's inbox is always open. Make sure you drop us a follow. Uh, if you don't, Ryan Smith one and Hayden Rolf one as well. Um, if you're unsure about what your calories are, drop us the word calories and we can send you a link to our calculator um, that as well. And if you are interested in one-to-one coaching, then our inbox is open as well for that. Just drop us the word academy and we'll give you more information on how our one-to-one coaching works, how our academy works and how we can get you losing up to 30 pounds in the next 90 days and having more confidence, self-esteem and finding that old you that you feel you've once lost. Apart from that, that is everything from me. Goodbye for now. Goodbye from me. And Hayden Rolf is still there. He was a little bit glitchy. That's why I carried on talking. Um, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Speak soon. See you later.